it's a team sport. You can't do it alone. And that's what I use and I often talk to my teams about and having expectations around team expectations of we are one team. We should have transparency and collaboration. And hey, we're going to support each other. Those are important aspects and we're going to be the best that we can be. Welcome to Moments Move Us, a people-first podcast unlocking the power of meaningful moments by bringing you stories that inspire. I'm your host, Rebecca Corin. Today, I'm honored to introduce you to an extraordinary individual, Cynthia Latney, Senior Vice President and Chief Nursing Executive at Ohio Health. Cynthia has dedicated over 36 years to nursing practice and leadership. And in our conversation today, she shares her experiences as a nurse working in critical care and the pivotal moments that inspired her to become a leader. We'll explore the importance of authenticity in leadership as Cynthia emphasizes the power of being true to yourself and creating teams that can thrive, even in your absence. We also dive into a topic that has deeply impacted the healthcare community, the challenges nurses have faced during the pandemic and their continued impact. Cynthia stresses how speaking up and taking accountability to communicate the needs of nurses is an absolute imperative. It's through these collective voices that we can move forward with real solutions that make lasting impact. Finally, Cynthia reveals another facet of her leadership journey, the influence of sports and teamwork. She shares how her passion for sports has shaped her approach to leadership emphasizing the importance of collaboration, trust, and synergy as a team. Each role that I achieved to get with partnerships and mentors, I was the first. It was surprising to me because when you're in a large state in Texas, you have diversity. So you assume when you're going into other organizations, you're going to see that. But no, I would say for the remainder of my 20 years, each role I took, I was the first in that role, which takes on a lot of accountability and responsibility of making sure you're showing up and being your best because you want to keep that door open for other diverse leaders. What would you say to people, though, who find themselves in that situation, like at that end pass? where they're in a moment where the next thing they're going to do, maybe those folks who've been in that role before don't look like them or they can't connect with them because of whoever they are and how they come to the position, whether it's a diversity of thought or whoever comes to it. I think about young African-American women growing up through the ranks, just like you're talking about, and also so many others that just still don't see themselves in leaders that are in front of them for a number of reasons. What do you say to them, Cynthia? How do they not get discouraged when it's so easy to get discouraged? It is easy to get discouraged. And there's a lot of self-talk that needs to happen. We weren't the first. So you have to remember that we are standing on shoulders that have gone through these pathways and opened up doors for us. And there weren't easy doors. And they survived and they thrived. And so you got to have the courage to push through. And you also have to keep your circle of friends very close to you. It can be lonely at times. And so when you have your network, 
and the people that know you so well and can help support you and help you when you're down and just create that light that you need to keep going and build that resiliency. I think that's, I would say, is the key. And just to know, as you got there, you got to pay it forward. You got to pay it forward for others. And you have to remember that you are standing on the shoulders of others and you want to do them proud. And you want to do yourself proud as well. So true. What kind of self-talk would you recommend? I'm not sure if you're past the self-talk part, but I know I'm not. I'm all about it. (laughs) Those (laughs) affirmations take me a long way. And I feel like they're so important for people. And what are some things like maybe if you could share with our listeners, because there are a lot of listeners who tune into this podcast that are aspiring young leaders. (laughs) Yes. Well, I have two things I do, especially when I wake up in the morning, I do some mindful exercises and breathing exercises. I also listen to just inspirational videos and talks that I have on my phone, but I have a picture in my bathroom. I'm going to say in my bathroom that my youngest son painted for me about five years ago. And he painted the picture for Christmas. So one year I said, I don't want any gifts. I want something from the heart. I want you to design something, make music or something. They decided to paint. Now they're not painters, but they had a friend that painted, but they painted something. What was the vision of me and them? And so my, my youngest son painted a picture of me and it was just beautiful. It caught the essence of who I was, like fire. And so I've always used a nickname fire. And we used to play video games. And so you got to name yourself, right? And so I named myself fire. How he pictured me, it just warmed my heart. And it was just strong. So when I get up, get up in the morning, I go in the bathroom and I'm talking to fire. I'm saying, you know, you got this today. Yesterday might have been tough, but this is another day you get to start over. You have control of how you feel. And every day is a new day. And I do that every day. You have to. For me, I have to do it. I love it. I think that is so empowering and it's also refreshing. It's like we can't carry the baggage of every day every next day, right? Like you have to let it go, right? And I know you actually are a big proponent of letting things go because otherwise we get dragged down in ways that we can't be our best selves. We can't show up with the fullest amount because we've already been sucked down in previous days. So if we don't let that go, we're not gonna be able to fill up and work from a, a cup. I mean, look at today in COVID and the impact of the pandemic and the burnout and the stress that our clinicians and our nurses are experiencing, what they've gone through, it really was war. And it is gonna take time. Yes, we're seeing PTSD. I remember my burnout phase where I did have to take a step back for about five weeks. Not that I was reflecting on not wanting to nurse, but I knew my tank was empty and I needed my family and I needed to step away to fill my tank up because I love nursing and I love giving my whole self to my patients and families, but you can't do that if you're empty. And so we have to have the courage to be able to say, I got to stop. And we don't want to get there, right? We got to take accountability for our self-compassion and resiliency so we don't get there. But if we find ourselves there, we do have to take a step back. And so when you think about filling the cup for other people now, as you are in this executive leadership role, how do you do that? 
And how do we do it at scale? Because it's something that I know every chief nurse in this country is thinking about on a regular basis. We have a huge workforce challenge in front of us, not enough recruits, the pool's too small. We have to retain our existing team members. And one thing we know is exactly what you said, that people's cups are drained, but we need to find ways to refuel to be able to bring people back. And whether that's through like a family support system that you were sharing that you were able to access, but also in the job itself. Can you share a little bit about how you see that and the role of the chief nurse in that work? I can tell you here at Ohio Health, we have a wonderful well-being program that's led by our physicians. And it's at a point where they take it as a trifecta or approach where they have resources that you can go to the center and have that one-on-one therapy, or you have virtual group options for what I always believe being together with my colleagues and sharing in that journey and talking about how you're feeling together. So I don't feel alone, but not everyone can do that. And I think where we're struggling is what activities do we need or options at the moment at the bedside because they don't have time to do that. We do dog therapy, music, reflecting time where we huddle and do reflection. What happened yesterday or what happened during the event? But I think what is connecting all of those activities is taking the time to reflect on what you feel what you heard and collectively working together, which is important. And you have to individualize it. Everyone is not the same. And we need our clinicians and our nurses to tell us what's valuable to them. Because we're only going to bring for what we've learned about or what we think, but getting their feedback and letting us know what's value to them to help them center and to strengthen their resiliency. It's important for us to understand. So true. Especially when you have a confluence of like different generations, folks that are working like more flexible schedules now, and you may have some sort of folks that are way more part-time than you used to. And maybe what fills them up is a little bit different than someone who's doing those multiple twelves in a row. How do we connect with people and have that relationship so that they tell us? And I think you've talked a little about this before. It's like, how do people own up to their own struggle and feel comfortable to talk about that, but then also to be able to say, this is what I need. And that is, I think, a really important moment for leaders to be able to facilitate, but it's really hard too. Like, how do you do that? It's hard. And I had this conversation with our nurse leaders the other day and just reflecting on what nurses went through during the pandemic and how they feel. And what I have come to realize, even with myself working through the pandemic, no, I'm not at the bedside, but feeling the pain and suffering of not able to get enough resources for them is that we have that sacred relationship with our patients and society sees us the number one profession that will partner with them. And when we can't do that, when we can't honor that, That's where that pain and suffering comes from and the burnout and the stress, because I know how I should be showing up with our patients and our families and all these stressors and barriers around me will not allow me to do that. So that's the conflict that's happening. 
and that's what's creating the stress. But we have to speak up. We have to take accountability as professionals to say, this is what I need. And I think through the pandemic and the voices of nurses just raised. If you could see a cloud coming in up out of the sky, it was that. They were just like, okay, I've had enough. I'm going to tell you. And we got to figure out how we're going to do this to make it better. So true. And I feel like the raising and empowerment of nursing and nurses' voices have been something that's been such a silver lining of the pandemic. And now organizations are really being put to the test of like, hey, this is what we need. This is what we're willing to do. This is what we cannot do anymore. How are you organization going to support us in making sure that we can achieve our calling? Because I think what you're saying is so true. That terrible feeling of the stressors and barriers that are in place are preventing me from living out my calling, my fulfillment as a nurse. And that is a detriment to everyone in this healthcare industry. How do we make that possible? Because it's a win for you and it's definitely going to be a win for me and I'm going to then stay. That's right. You know, as a leader, I feel accountable to help our clinicians and our nurses fulfill their mission. And if they're not fulfilling their mission, then I'm failing as a leader. So well said. I love the way you said that because that is a beautiful way to sum up the job of leaders everywhere to help people fulfill their own personal missions. And I think that a long time ago, we had this big delineation between work and life, right? It was like work-life balance. It's like this whole concept thing. I think we realized that work is part of life and that we're just trying to have life balance. Part of that is our job, but that's not the entirety of who we are. We're not trying to constantly balance that against our family, against our religion, all the hobbies that we have, these things that we do, we really have to look at life generally. What are our missions? And as a leader, how are we helping our team members fulfill those missions? Because if they're in roles that don't help them fulfill that personal mission, we have to rethink that. And one of the things that was so beautiful about your story, Cynthia, is thinking back to like how you are identified for for leadership and sort of this idea of how you got into it. And I think there are nurses that are out there that are like, I just want to be the best nurse I can be. I'm not interested in leadership. Or maybe there are others that are like, I am really interested, but I'm not sure how to go there. Or I don't know if I can do this work because I see how hard it is. Yes. So our mission, nursing vision here is that nurses lead in every level. You don't have to be in a nursing leadership role to lead. You're leading at the bedside. You're leading in your practice. And so that is important for me and our team and leaders to know that everyone's leading in some point in way. And for us to get to that ideal healthcare delivery where it's equitable, that everyone is getting the right care at the right time at the right place, we need all of our nurses to lead where they are. When you think about nurses being leaders at every level and nurses at the bedside, how there are constant opportunities for them to lead. And they're always in positions like that, really, but how we facilitate that for them to be able to do that freely 
I think is really important as an organization. Can you share a story of when you saw leadership come through in a way that wasn't role specific, how we see, like how I said before, like leader, but I love how you just corrected me right there. You're like, well, Rebecca, we're leading from every aspect, every single role at the bedside. And that is so empowering. And I think gives people the ability to truly care for patients in the way that they feel they need to be cared for, which promotes healing for everyone. Yes. I think what resonates to our listeners is really an example in the COVID pandemic time early on where in our critical care, we were struggling with how do we deliver our medications in at the bedside, but we have to keep the door closed. And how do you decrease the amount of time going into the room I mean, I still have to give medicine and I still have to look at the pumps, which was so beautiful. I'm working at another organization and here at Ohio Health, nurses at the bedside said, hey, I think we should use longer IV tubing and connect and bring it outside of the room. Although it's not ideal, but at the crisis time of decreasing the amount of exposure of COVID, That's what they had idea came up for innovation to ensure that their patient was getting the care that they deserved and needed at the time. And that approach actually was a best practice at the time. Again, not ideal, but that was something that was needed across the country. And I remember working in another organization when then I called here to talk to the bedside nurses to determine how did you do that? And why and what did that all entail? That is an example of how our bedside nurses are leading at the bedside. That's just such an awesome example of innovation. So much innovation came out of the pandemic. Like now when you look at the current time and how to continue to promote innovation, what are some things that you guys are doing to make sure that, as you said, all nurses are leading in all aspects and how do we make sure that those ideas that they have are really being heard? Because That is such an important part of people feeling engaged. Part of how do we keep our workforce engaged today when now they have options? They're looking in the mirror and saying, do I stay in my profession? Should I leave and go travel? Or should I just leave altogether and go get away from the bedside to reduce my burden? It's really important for us leaders to get out there and round to listen and to experience and see what exactly that they're doing. And also create avenues where they can share their ideas. So one particular idea that we are working on, that we are working with the bedside nurses that you hear about now is virtual nursing. And that's putting a nurse in a box, just like we have EICU or we have telehealth that's outside. We have not really experienced having that type of structure in a med search unit. And so this is something we're designing with the front line and asking them, what are some of the tasks and activities that should be done by the virtual nurse that will open up space for you to connect again with the patient so you can get to honor that commitment that you have with the patient. And once you start to do that, That's what really empowers them and creates that energy to say that they are listening. We see that they're taking our information and doing something with it. 
And then that's creating more energy to come back and say, okay, I got another idea. So it's just wonderful. And to share one more aspect, I have nurse managers right now. So we know that nurse managers are burdened because they're working at the bedside because they don't have enough staff. So we have to engage our nurse managers to be creative with rethinking what their schedules look like so they can be there for their teens and then creating ideas for them that they see that they can implement. So I have many of my nurse managers that I have signed up for national cohorts to really be innovative and think about those projects that they want to do. We need to engage our nurse managers. They have ideas. We need to support them. So they're one, want to stay in the role. They see the value of being in the role and they're giving back to the organization. And they can feel their impact in such a different way that way. I love that sort of innovative approach where you're iterating, you're hearing from the voices that you're changing, you're going back, you're trying it again. And then the other piece is the trust is built significantly there. Like I think about virtual nursing and a lot of what I hear is there's that trust element of like, well, what are they going to be doing? And what am I doing? And can I feel safe with that type of environment? And Mm -hmm. I think if you're involved in the design of it, you're going to feel so much more comfortable trying it out. And that's what it's all about. Because if you can get more time at the bedside, but just like you said, to be building that relationship Mm -hmm. and caring more on the art side, I think you mentioned the art and science side, that's where the in-person relationship is going to take you in so many new ways. And you're going to learn so much more about the patient too. Yes. When you can connect and the honor, the commitment that builds that joy, that helps me with your mission, right? Then I can say, I'm good. Although it's tough, But if you have a team around you and you're fulfilling your mission, that you're going to want to come back to work and keep giving every day. The worst thing we can do is to ask people questions and then never respond. We love asking questions in healthcare. It's our favorite. We really are good at it too. But then when it comes down to it, we got to circle back, right? There has to be like something on the other end that's going to help people say, okay, like I gave you all these ideas. What's the next step? Did anything come of all of this? And it sounds like you guys are really taking action. Because you hear, right? We hear as leaders, okay, well, all that information ideas going to the black hole and nothing's happening. Completely. And I know I'm just thinking of you, (laughs) Cynthia, when your fire portrait in the bathroom. I'm curious, I'm making an assumption here, but maybe that's also going to get your fire even heightened. You're like, I got to do something with this. Oh yeah. Like, because every day I'm coming back to it and it's probably looking at me saying, what did you accomplish yesterday when you said you were going to do that? <laughs> What's next? I am with you on that. Oh my goodness. Cynthia, question for you, like on a more personal note related to you in your role, when you think about the qualities that you have that have made you just a really amazing, innovative people first leader, what are the things that you can point to? And it could be things that you've learned over time, or it could be stuff like when you were a kid that your mom saw in you or that you saw. I think the one quality that I always go back to it that I know shaped me as a person. One, I had two brothers. So I always had to be right there with them. And so that whole driving and want to get things done and stand up for yourself. I had brothers. So if I couldn't stand up for them, it's hard for me to stand up for everyone else. But it is being on a team. And I love sports, basketball, I ran track, I did some softball, sports related structure is what carries me through my leadership. It's a team sport, you can't do it alone. 
And that's what I use. And I often talk to my teams about and having expectations around team expectations of we are one team. We should have transparency and collaboration and hey, we're going to support each other. Those are important aspects and we're going to be the best that we can be because if the team member is not pulling their weight and doing all they can do, then that brings down the team. But if you are struggling, then it's important to a team member to step up to help you, but you have to speak up. And so that is what I bring forward. But I think also in my years of nursing and interacting with different types of people, our patients, our families, my own journey and my family's journey of healthcare really helped me understand how important relationship building is and being clear on what we're trying to achieve, even what that outcome is. So you're not wasting energy and fixing the wrong thing. Mm. So I'm very methodical in the planning piece because man, I just hate to go back around. (laughs) We should have did it on the planning side. And I've learned that from other leaders and how they went about approaching problems. I think the longer you're in leadership, you start to look at other leaders that you would want to role model or model after. As we started getting into lean and the PDCA and how we approach the work, um, you start to learn about those different approaches and seeing the outcomes and the impact that they can be. So it's like, okay, well, let me talk to this leader and try to understand that, or let me go get a certification that strengthens the skills that I need. I think it's important that you do that self-assessment to see what's working well and what areas of opportunity you think you need to strengthen. And as a chief nurse in this role specifically, can you share a time when you felt seen for something you were really proud of in this role? It was something where you were like, I'm doing this role the way that I want to be doing it right now. And I know there are so many times when you've seen other people and recognize them. I'm just curious in your role, like when did it feel like, wow, this is right. Or like, I'm living my mission now and I feel like I'm getting it. I love this question because we were just at a large leadership program and one of the presidents at one of the hospitals shared with me, he says, we've had many other CNEs and not to take away anyone that I've followed, but you need some validation that your approach is working. And he said, you have been the first that was able to really advance this team. I stood there for a second because you work really hard. It's going on two years and it's like, you're in a new organization, you want to make an impact, you're a different leader, and is your approach working? And to be validated that, wow, I caught one of the president's attention, that they see me, they see the work, they see the impact that I have, and all right, I'm going to keep going, because that only can be who I am. So if I try to be something outside of who I am, and how I move them, I'm not being authentic. And that's one of my honor and my expectations of myself. I will be who I am. And at being 36 years in, 
I'm just not going to allow someone to change that for me because then I can't be my authentic self. Now I can grow from construction feedback, like give me feedback, but the core of who I am and how I connect and how I bring teams together and how, you know, we work together individually, meet their individual plan, development plan. I got to get to know them in a different way that may not be the way that everyone else does it. And to be validated, I'm being seen. It is making a difference. Keeps me engaged to say I made the right choice for the organization. And I always want to make sure that I'm having an impact and value. Like the value that I'm bringing, I'm going to leave something. And that I'm creating teams around me and individuals that the organization, if I choose to take that next step in my career somewhere else, that they won't miss a beat. So then I say that I've done what I was supposed to do. And can you share something a little bit about how you were facilitating the teams in that way? Can you share maybe a couple of things that went into that? What brought them to kind of say that? Because I do feel like it's almost like the ultimate compliment when you hear from someone like you're enabling these things to actually go forward and to change and for us to work together. And it also goes back to your core belief around teaming and some of your skill around that. So I would love to hear what was it? What did you do to move the needle there? With any CNE that comes to a new organization, you want to do that assessment of the strength and opportunities of your team And how does nursing sit within an organization? And how does leaders lead at every level? So when you're looking at your own team and the chief nursing officers that sit in the site, how are they showing up? Who needs to be strengthened and how strong is the team? And going through the pandemic, just like at the bedside, there was impact with our own leadership. So when a seat is going to be emptied, then you got to assess what your team needs. And when you're looking for that next role to sit that seat, you want to look for those attributes that's going to support the team, not just the individual that sits at a particular care site. So when you're looking at many hospitals, You also have to look at your team, what your team needs and what that hospital needs. Mm -hmm. And it's important for me that when I am recruiting for a new CNO, I'm also recruiting work. Do they have the ability at some point in time in their career to be a CNE? And I think that's what he was referencing that we may have had opportunities on our team to strengthen. So we're leading in all aspects of care delivery. Mm-hmm. Nurses just don't lead for nursing. We lead for patient care, which there's many relationships that we have and attributes and skills that we need. And they need to look at a council of CNOs to say, oh my gosh, that's a talented team and they can sit and for be versatile and they can be anywhere. And it's just like having a basketball team saying, how are we going to get to that championship? Especially that's if you've seen I the did. women's NCAA tournament this past yes, year. Yes, LSU. Aren't, were you rooting for LSU, Cynthia? <laughs> I'm not sure if they would say they were underdogs, but <laughs> I always root for an underdog and it was just a beautiful thing to see. Such an amazing example of 
what it takes to work together as a team, just across the whole final four of the women's NCAA tournament this past year. I thought it was so amazing to see all these young women working together and just playing their hearts out and just to hear women interviewed coming off the bench and just saying, I work for this my whole life. I'm leaving it all out there. And how beautiful would it be for our nurses to come out and right out of school and just leave it all out there. Like work for those championship moments every day because it's what it is, right? This is healthcare. This is life or death. This is people's lives. Yes. Oh my God. I love that. Work for those championship moments. That's a tech talk in itself. (laughs) That's our next podcast, (laughs) Cynthia. We got to have a volume two here. This has been just such a great conversation, Cynthia. Was there anything else that you wanted to share before we close up our chat today? I wanted to say thank you so much for this opportunity. On the heels of Nurses Week, I just wanted to say to all my nurses out there, my colleagues, thank you for all that you do for patient care. We can do this. Stay strong. I'm Rebecca Corin. Thanks for listening to Moments Move Us. Remember, when you put people first, your actions can move others in unexpected ways. Be sure to follow wherever you get your audio.